LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Vinoy, here with my co-host, Todd Atkins. I'm excited today. You are, you are excited. We should be because we have <laughs> Derwin Gray, who is a multi-time repeat guest. And uh, if you do not know him, you should. He is the founding and lead pastor of Transformation Church, which is just south of Charlotte, North Carolina. He has written several books, including The Good Life and now his new book, God, Do You Hear Me? Pastor Derwin, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. And I'm all, it's always good to be with you guys. And the audience can't see... Todd's sweet European <laughs> haircut. I mean, it's faded, slick back. I mean, I mean, he looks like he's probably from Scotland or something. Yeah. <laughs> I need a, uh, I need a, uh, like a bronze statue made of me, like, uh, like Ronaldo? Was, <laughs> that didn't go Ronaldo. well for Ronaldo the first time, though. I think they had to recast no, it. Oh, <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> It's yeah. like a meme now. <laughs> it is, yeah. It is, it is. but Ronaldo is a, is a human corporation. That is true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's making yeah. a little bit more than all of us, so. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, here's what I appreciate about Derwin, everybody. Uh, we've known Derwin for almost 10 years now. He was, Jeez. I know, we, we probably should not say that. Um, but, man, uh, from the very beginning of right after I came to Lifeway, um, from McLean, we really started thinking about leadership development in the church, what that looked like. What does it look like to have discipleship and development, you know, married kind of together, moving forward. These things shouldn't be separated, blah, blah, blah. We, 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 we chose uh, six people to kind of come in and speak into that. Uh, Aubrey Malfers, who, if you don't know, um, you should know because a lot of people carry his water that you champion, I guarantee it. Um, he is the original uh, church resources guru. He's in his 80s now, still kicking very well. But Derwin was one of the people that came alongside us. Will Mancini, uh, Tammy Heim, uh, so many that, that really said, hey, um, they spoke into Pipeline. They spoke into Ministry Grid. Uh, they spoke into so much. So I'm always grateful uh, and, and extremely supportive of Derwin and his ministry. And you haven't let me down, man. Um, over the years, every every time that um, I've met you, you always have something. Uh, it's not that you've always got something new started. It is you're always finding a new gear um, and you're always uh, increasing your impact year after year, and it hasn't gone to your head, and you're, you know, barking spot still at, at, at the other side of the church <laughs> um, from where you need to walk. It in. Is, all those, yeah. all those subtle little things, man, are really important, and why we love you, and why we're we're glad to have you on today. Well, thank you. I appreciate those kind words. Thank you, guys. And you married well, and we've gotten to know your wife too. Yes, so, I did. That hey. is, uh, that's the second best decision <laughs> I've ever made. The first one is following Jesus. The second is marrying her. I, mm. I out my coverage with her, brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, Pastor Derwin, you do have a new book coming out. We mentioned it, God, Do You Hear Me? And uh, we're super excited for that to be released and to see the impact that it's going to have, um, you know, just in many people's lives. So we'd love to hear a little bit of your heart behind writing that, and then we'll hop into the five leadership questions. Yeah, you know, um, God, Do You Hear Me? Uh, is the title, the subtitle is Discovering the Prayer That God Always Answers. 
And simply, I guess the best way I could say it is this is I love Jesus because I love prayer and I love prayer because I love Jesus. And a prayerless life is a powerless life. And prayer is God saying, I really, really want to be with you. And even for Christian leaders, we often turn prayer into how do I get something from God to accomplish a task? And so if we look back at Jesus, right, he's the greatest leader of all, you know, in his humanity, he is the apex leader of what leadership should be. And leadership, like John Maxwell does say, is influence. And over the years, I've added this, that leadership is becoming what you want others to be. And so I'm just finding that a lot of times we look at leaders and go, wow, they're strong and they're this and have influence. We live in a day and age where you can actually talk to talk without walking the walk. And Jesus walked the walk and talked to talk. He talked to talk and walked the walk. And so I think leadership is about embodying what you want others to become. And so Jesus embodying a life of prayer in Luke 11 his disciples, Luke says, they saw him praying in a certain place. And then they said, Lord, will you teach us to pray? And it's interesting that he says in Matthew 6, 9, therefore, when you pray, you should pray this way. The way the, way the word prayer is written in the Greek is a present imperative. And that simply means this. It's a habitual, continuous action. So the Lord's prayer is more of like a framework or a choreography. Like if you've ever seen dancers, they have a choreographer, right? Well, the Lord's prayer is choreography so we can actually dance to the rhythm of God's grace. And if you look at it, it starts with these words, our father. And for leaders, that's so important. And here's why. So much of what we can base our lives on is what we accomplish, what we do, what other people think of us. And it's so important to start with our father. Here's something I'm learning that's so important. Trying to be good without God makes us bad and people get hurt. And what I mean by that is this. When Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden chose to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, They were trying to become like God without God. If you abide in the tree of the knowledge of good, if if you abide in a tree of life, you're going to produce good. And so what happens to us as leaders is we're so busy trying and should should our congregations wear masks or not wear vaccines and this and that. And we got so many people we're trying to please. And then we try to become good without God and Our father is a safe place to where we can come and find rest and affirmation and identity. Like we lead out of our father saying, I'm proud of you. And here's why. Because of my son, Jesus, you are eternally united to him. And what's true of him is true of you. Therefore, like a horse with blinders on, you can set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of father, of the father. So we lead out of this sonship, this daughtership that we have. And so I want to help people uh, learn how to pray. The Lord's prayer reveals God's will and it aligns us to his assignment, which is to join him on mission. Hmm. 
man, thank you so much for writing that. I'm sure there's there is so much more to unpack, and that's why you wrote a whole book on it. So uh, if you're listening, you're going to want to check out God, Do You Hear Me? And Pastor Derwin, once again, thanks for writing that. And we're excited to see the impact that that book does have and uh, just hopefully reframing even the way that we think about prayer. Let's hop in here to the five leadership questions. And since you've been on multiple times, uh, these are our third set here. So we're excited to, to walk through these. The first one is who or what has been the greatest leadership influence in your life? Um, the greatest leadership, the greatest leadership influence in my life would have to be coach DW Rutledge, my high school coach. And so uh, Converse Judson High School is one of the perennial state powers in the state of Texas. And um, I got there in 1987, played for him from 87 to 89. And what was beautiful is, number one, is he embodied what he wanted us to be. And as I look back, it was such a blessing to be in a program that we would have this thing in an off season called boot camp. But before we went into boot camp, we actually spent like a week in the classroom reading John Maxwell materials, Zig Ziglar material. I had no idea what I was getting. So this is high school then, football. Yes. Wow. We would, <laughs> yeah, we would, yeah. Yeah. We would spend a week. I had no idea who John Maxwell was. <laughs> yeah. Zig Ziglar, like all of these leadership gurus, our coaches had us reading that before we ever touched the field because they understood what's on the inside is what empowers on the outside and what's on the outside is not greater than what's on the inside. And so we would go through this thing called boot camp, And it was, it was still one of the hardest things, if not the hardest thing I've ever done, but it requires you to rely on and motivate your teammates. They taught us discipline. They taught us work ethic. They taught us to love each other. They taught us sacrifice. And so it was very much a mentality of I'm not out here to get mine. I'm out here to contribute to the team. And so Coach Rutledge won a number of state championships. And at the height of his career, he retired and took over the Texas High School Coaches Association as the executive director because he said, I can impact more kids if I impact coaches. And so he's in multiple Hall of Fames. Uh, He's a great man. He's a believer, even though I didn't know it at the time, but his leadership imprint is just all over me to this very day. That's so, I mean, I go back to what you said, you know, leadership is uh, becoming what you want people to be. Um, And then looking at that example that you had in your life of somebody whose legacy was not what they did, but who they developed that is, that's absolutely amazing. And it, it is in part why you are who you are. And absolutely. so, so it, it is truly amazing. I, what I want our listeners to understand is Derwin is saying your legacy is know what you do is who you develop and it's how, how you develop them is becoming what you want them to be. Um, well, and that is beautiful. Well, well, and Todd, you know, it's one of these things, too, is I can't develop to what I myself am not. Right. So I think it's one of these things where the legacy is twofold. Like I'm 50 and I feel like I'm just getting started. I feel like I'm just learning. And so if God gives me, he graces me with great health, I feel like 
like I'm in middle school. I haven't even hit high school leadership yet. And, and so it's not only developing others, but it's our continued growth and development. And I, um, I, I feel a great burden for young leaders. And we live in a day and age where young leaders hunt for content to teach, but not for content to change the content of their character. Please be careful, particularly if you're super gifted, that you're scouring uh, podcasts and taking other people's ideas and content, making your own for the sake of just teaching it, but actually not allowing yourself to be transformed by it. I see that as a massive problem, not just in the church, but in the business world and all aspects of leadership. People, people want to be known for what they say. And God is saying, okay, that's great. But does what you do match what you're saying? And so with, with access to so much content, it's very easy to hunt for content to teach, but not for content to change our character. And I think we're seeing that in so many uh, leadership church explosions. We're seeing it from, uh, you know, the mayor of New York City to the, you know, former president of the United States. I mean, it goes on and on and on um, that having character and integrity is not high up on the list anymore. And character and integrity flows from the overflow of our abiding and obeying Christ Jesus. Well, Derwin, you know, as you're talking about, there were leadership failures that you were talking about there. That is character and integrity. But there also is it's just leadership failures when, you know, we're trying to lead out and we learn from our own failures um, that are even when we're, we're, we're trying our best, and, you know, we're living out in a godly way. Um, so what is when you look back on, you know, you said you're 50, you look back on the entirety of your leadership journey. What is your favorite leadership failure story that you look back on? So when you say favorite, does that mean like it was funny or like <laughs> favorite as in like it was like carnage and wreckage everywhere? We'll leave that up to your interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I don't I don't typically find failure funny, but <laughs> our favorite. But so what I would say is this is um, early on in the history of Transformation Church is you plant, you know, you plant the church with friends. And a lot of times you can allow your friendship to blur the objectivity of what they need to do. And so what I would say is make sure that Jesus comes before friendships and if people are not competent to fulfill a certain role, then either help them find a role that they're competent in or or they have to move on. And the longer you keep someone in a role that they're not competent in, it's actually a form of hurting them. It's not helping them. It's hurting them. And as you know, in ministry, as in life, there's no such thing as, well, I'm the only one. There's always collateral damage. And so the biggest leadership lesson that I'm learning is that Jesus is paramount and um, everything else is secondary. And so having people in positions of competency is valuable when they're not, you find a role for them. If you can't, you can't just move them around. Sometimes you have to move them on and that's difficult. That's really, really hard. 
but Jesus never said it wouldn't be hard. Hmm. You know, as you're talking about that, you know, especially in church planting early stages, it's, hey, you have friends around you and you're part of part of the church planting process is you want to be able to have trusted people beside you. It's great when it's close friendships. Um, Even as you're saying that, I can think of maybe some pastors and church leaders who are thinking maybe they want to hire a friend or they want to surround themselves with staff of friends. How, how should somebody think through managing that? I mean, just hearing you talk through that story, um, you know, you, you have some hard decisions. How do you protect friendships? Like, should you put your friendship at stake in, in hiring them on staff? What, what advice would you share with that? Man, uh, when I figure out the answer, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> you, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, one of one of the things that I'm finding is, uh, particularly as a as a lead pastor, um, there is a lot of joy, but there's also a lot of sadness. Um, there are friends that you make before that you lose. There's friends that you make along the way that you lose, and there's new friends that you gain. Um, but ultimately. Our allegiance has to be to Jesus and Jesus alone. And so what we try to do is we have what's called the five characteristics that we look for. So the first thing is, you know, you know, character. When I say character, I mean, first Timothy three above reproach. I mean, fruit of the spirit. Okay. Um, Competency. Can they do the job? Are they willing to learn to do, do, do the job? Um, catalytic. Are they, do they come up with ideas? Um, you know, chemistry, chemistry is, is really, really important because you can be a friend with someone outside of a ministry context, but in the ministry context, there, there, there may not be chemistry, you know? And so, um, I, I just, I just think that that is really, really important, but I'm learning that Man, people change along the journey, too. Um, I remember the smaller our church was, um, it didn't feel like people were fighting for territory and position as much. Mm-hmm. But it's like as we've grown more, uh, that's something that you have to be on the lookout for. Because, I mean, we've met in a uh, a warehouse with AstroTurf in it and man, we were just gritty and just trusting God to do amazing things. Then you get a new facility and you get on a radar screen and all of a sudden it's like, Oh yeah, Trent, this is a place I can come to build my platform. And I tell new staff and old staff, I say, guys, I never wanted to be a pastor. I didn't, I didn't want it. All I wanted was to love Jesus and let the world know about his great love and that multi-ethnic gospel-centered churches is not an add-on to the gospel. It's at the very heartbeat of the gospel, that the gospel is not simply about saving individuals. It's about individuals becoming a family that God promised Abraham. And so, um, yeah, you, you know, it's one of these things, man, um, power you know, there's a reason why first Timothy three, seven says, don't put someone in leadership too early because they'll fall to the snare of the devil. Hmm. And so I'm always mindful of that in my own life, but mindful of that as we continue to develop leaders and a leader can be a leader without being a disciple, but every disciple should be a leader. 
And what I mean by that is there are people who could have competent leadership skills, but not the character. Whereas discipleship is all about character. Jesus said this to his disciples. We don't lord it over like the Gentiles. Jesus is a shepherd servant king in Philippians 2, 5 says, and have the mind of Christ. Philippians 2, 3 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but consider others better than yourself. And so it really takes a lot of spiritual maturity to handle leadership and responsibility. Okay. I have all kinds of questions in my head now about you. You said uh, allegiance, you know, you have to remember who your allegiance is to, which is uh, of course the Lord. And it's, you know, you've been given stewardship over this. How do you balance that with the thought of loyalty? So when you have somebody who comes up with you along the way, And as you said, you know, people change over the course of time. The church changes over time. Um, If those people don't continue to grow with the church, sometimes the growth of the church can outgrow their competency or their character. So speak a little bit to how do you balance, how how do you balance loyalty to that person or it's not a balance. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, I was about to say, Todd, there, there, there is no balance. It's Jesus that right. Jesus and his vision for transformation church is paramount. And so typically when a person, when a role outgrows a person, we try and we try to find another role within the ministry for them to flourish in, but sometimes people don't want to lose, say, um, authority or want to lose power, or they see it as a demotion. And if that's the case, then there has to be a season where you help that person transition to find somewhere else to be because no one is above the vision. And that means me, like I'm, I'm a perpetual learner. Like I, like, I hope I'm more like Jesus through the spirit's power next week than I am now. I'm constantly reading. I'm listening. I want to grow. And here's why. Number one, because Jesus has saw fit for me to be his dwelling through the spirit to live through me as a part of God's kingdom. Number two, my life impacts too many other people's lives for me not to ask the Holy Spirit to grow me in every facet of life. There's too much at stake for me to be stagnant. And the thing is, is God doesn't call me to strive for that. He calls me to abide for that. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me, you will produce much fruit. So the greatest ministry that I have, Chandler, is not how much I love God but receiving how much God loves me. And out of that, that's where the power is. That's where the wisdom is. That's where the grace is. That's where the spiritual grit is. Hmm. You know, as you're talking, you're constantly learning, you're constantly reading. If you, if you could have a young leader come up and say, Hey, I, I would love to have one book uh, for you to gift me. What book would you gift yourself as a young leader? Other than the Bible. Other than the Bible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we all, 
we 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 all assumed that our CSB Tony Evans Bible would be it, right? Like oh, we yes. all assumed. Oh yes. Um, so this is this is um, I would I would say I want you to read "Conform to His Image" by Ken Boa, and it's the best book on spiritual formation that I've ever read. I. For me and the way I'm wired, I have found it better than any other spiritual formation discipleship book. And leadership competency can be learned, but discipleship flows out of obedience. And that's why you have people who are known as incredible. I mean, think about like, you know, and and, and I don't want to throw shade at, at JFK, but we understand like JFK was a womanizer. And for whatever we think about Bill Clinton, uh, the man could hold a room. I mean, you don't, you don't become president regardless of your politics. I mean, even Donald Trump, like for as wacky as Donald Trump was, he was able to galvanize a whole bunch of people. Now, character wise, eh, but if you want to, but like, if you want to look at how a man like you don't become president of the world's greatest nation because you don't have some kind of skills. Right. But I don't think America or their church lacks leaders. I think it lacks gospel character. Things like honesty, sincerity, like truth, man. <laughs> Conformed in his image by what was the author's name? Dr. Ken Boa. Dr. Ken Boa going to gift that to yourself as a young leader. Well, Derwin, uh, part of, you know, it is Dr. Derwin Gray. And part of that, you get to, you do get to teach courses. You get to kind of, you know, have uh, schedule out, you know, curriculum for people. But if you could teach a course on any topic, you could, you could, you know, put together a curriculum for somebody, what would it be? Mm. You know, um, what I would, what, what I would teach is, what is the gospel and its implications? Because I believe that out of the good news flows everything else. And so out of the gospel flows understanding ecclesiology, out of the gospel flows who God is, out of the gospel flows um, ethics, out of the gospel flows leadership. So I think the good news is the heartbeat of absolutely everything. And, you, you know, you you guys know me well enough. Like, I can't detach the plumb line of Jesus's work from any aspect of life. Yes, very much so. <laughs> when, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, man. Yeah, yeah, totally. And so I, I think that... Um, the good news of Jesus, um, you know how you are told to color in between the lines? Well, life has in the lines and the right. red blood of Jesus is what colors in every facet of it. Hmm. Be on the lookout for that course on Ministry Grid from Derwin Gray. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it, man. We should. We should do it. That'd be fun. That'd be awesome. No, but this really like what I want to help people like see here and understand here is um, everything that Derwin is saying. You're not like these things all line up really well um, uh, from the aspect of you're talking about becoming 
You know, it, it is what you're becoming, what you want others to be. You're talking about leadership as learning in front of people, learning, you know, not, uh, yes, uh, imbibing who, who Christ is, but also learning, you know, new stuff, reading and all that. So I appreciate everything that you've, you've really set up to this point, because I think it, it dovetails really well, really, really well together. So man, talk a little bit more about, uh, about this. When, when you say that topic as a course, how, like practically speaking, how does a pastor bring this about in these spheres, uh, the sphere of their leadership at home, leadership of the church, uh, I'm sorry, leadership of their staff, uh, the staff and, you know, depending on your, um, your, your church polity, you know, elders and deacons and like the church leadership slash staff, uh, and then the church itself. So family, church or staff and church. So I guess my question would be, how do you not? Um, the way you don't do that is by choosing to intentionally not walk in the spirit's power. You're intentionally not walking in community and spiritual gifts. I mean, I mean, spiritual rhythms of grace, right? Like we're spiritual athletes continuously being formed. And so we don't want to have a bifurcated life. Uh, I think what may help us here, Todd, is, is this. And, and I want you to picture a starting point and one arrow going up to the left uh -huh. and one arrow going down to the right. The one going up to the left is what you know theologically. The arrow going down to the right is what you live theologically. And in the middle of that is a gap. And that's where leaders get in trouble is that gap between what we know and what we live. If we don't allow Jesus to close that gap, we're going to allow demonic forces to close that gap, which is going to widen the gap. And sometimes it's actually even good things like, Hey, I want to work hard for the church and, and I want to work and I want to work. And all of a sudden you're neglecting your family because your identity isn't what people think instead of who Christ is, right. or, you know, you get back from COVID, uh, uh, COVID, you're excited and bam, you're a few months in and you're like, where did all the people go? And it's like, my identity is found in attendance numbers, right? Most pastors fail, whether it's morally, um, ethically, because they're trying to fill that gap with something other than Jesus. And that gap is filled by obedience. In view of God's mercy, Romans 12, 1, in view of God's mercy, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And you guys know a sacrifice is a dead thing. Well, Paul's saying you're a alive dead thing. So that means that there's going to be a struggle. But what keeps us focused on Jesus is in view of God's mercy. Notice Paul in Romans 12, 1 doesn't say grit it up, try Hard. He goes in view of God's mercy, in view of what God has done for you in Christ. Then you can be a living sacrifice. And of course, Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that gap 
is where the devil and demonic influences play with our minds. There are thoughts that are maniacal that are not of us. Things like, man, that was a terrible sermon. Like you're so not good. Your staff doesn't believe in you. Um, I mean, we're always being bombarded and we can act out on those deceptive thoughts or we can cling to the truth of the gospel and be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Man, I I think it's so important to heed the caution that you mentioned earlier um, to younger leaders about it's never been easier to hide your gap. It's never been easier, the knowledge versus doing gap, because there's so much knowledge available to you. There's so many things that you can research or so many different tools that are available for you to use, mm-hmm. you know, from uh, the number of commentaries that you're like, it's so easy for you to copy and paste mm-hmm. and not do in your life. Um, so I, I really don't want to miss the opportunity once again to, to point out uh, what you had said earlier now coming back in and, and understanding that that knowledge and doing gap has never been so easy to, to hide that. Absolutely. Uh, and, and the more gifted you are, the easier it is to hide, but eventually all that's in the dark will be brought to light. And when it's brought to light, man, there's carnage, there's like wreckage. There's like, uh, podcasts that are told about you while you're still alive, where it sounds like you're right. dead, but you're still alive. And, um, you know, which by the way, I stopped listening to that after number five, I, I got physically sick and I said, this isn't good for my soul. So I stopped. Um, but, but, but here's a litmus test. Can someone talk to your wife about how you really are without you being in the room? If you're afraid to be in a room with them talking to her about you, you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. Because mama, mama knows. (laughs) Mama, mama knows. And uh, the most important ministry that we have if we're married is to our spouse. If you're a female, it's your husband. If it's a male, it's your wife. And then it's your children. Hmm. That's, that's a great word, Derwin. Thank you so much for that. Let's go to our last question here. And I'm excited to hear how you're going to answer this one. So what advice would you give a young, driven college or seminary student about the real world of ministry and leadership? <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't forget the follow up. And what advice should they ignore? <laughs> <laughs> um, let me start with the advice they should ignore the advice that they should ignore is build your platform. Uh, Please ignore that. Um, You know, Todd, you're old enough to remember. I'm not sure about you, Chandler, but when I first started in ministry, like uh, my space was the thing, you know, there wasn't like this Facebook stuff and Instagram stuff and Twitter stuff and, you know, people building platforms and becoming stars like overnight and, uh, man, it is it is very dangerous. Build your character um, and let your platform take place. You know, one of the things that Rick Warren used to say to me was this is dig your roots deep and God will determine the breadth of your reach. 
And not everybody has the same capacity of reach. So like some have one talent, some have three, some have five. Be the best version of you, but don't don't go seeking a platform. And please don't don't put sermon clips of that you haven't even lived yet. Like if you're 25, <laughs> uh, respectfully shut up about parenting. Um, you know, like talk about things that you actually know. Um, think more in terms of what God can do in your life over 10 years than 10 months. All right. So that's what I got to say about that. Um, now, what was the first part of the question? <laughs> so what what uh, what advice would you give? Not just what they yeah. ignore, but what advice would you give about the real world of ministry and leadership? Yeah. <clears throat> so the first thing that I would say is as you go into, quote unquote, ministry, realize that being a pastor, worship leader, minister is not your identity. That is your function. Your identity is you are a beloved son of God. And I mean that gender inclusive because the nation of Israel in the Old Testament was called the son of God. Jesus comes as a new and better Israel. He's the son of God. And now through faith in him, we now experience that sonship. So we start ministry from a posture of affirmation, from a posture of acceptance, from a posture of not striving to be acknowledged, but from a place of being loved. So that's number one. Number two, if you think that ministry is a 40 minute sermon on Sunday, you're deeply deceived. You know, because man, some of the most difficult, hard conversations that I've ever had um, some of the worst treatment that I've ever gotten is from people who would call themselves Christians. You know, there's this big church hurt thing now, right? Uh, well, you know what? Not only is there church hurt, there's corporate America hurt. There's restaurant hurt. There's friend hurt. There's family hurt. Uh, we're, we're human beings. We bump into each other like bumper cars, you know, but grace is what allows us to heal. But there's also pastor hurt. Oh, man. I mean, particularly early in ministry, I was like, I don't know if I'm cut out for this kind of heartbreak. Like, I don't like I don't I don't I don't know if my heart can be a punching bag to this level. Right. Because you're shepherding and you care for people. It's a challenge. And, and so and then what I would say to him is. Remember to not allow and I heard Bill Hybels say this. It's a true quote but unfortunately I don't think he lived it is don't let ministry for Jesus destroy the ministry of Jesus in your life. Ministry cannot fill the gaps in our soul. Only Jesus can do that through obedience. Well, pastor Derwin, I know that you probably even have, we can sit down and talk more about advice. Cause I mean, it just, that was one and two, and I'm sure you could fill it up to 10 to 15 and it's all so good. So thank you so much. I'm for... not sure. I think that's all I had. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. And uh, thank you for listening. We hope this has been helpful to you and your leadership. If it has, head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review to help other leaders find the podcast and go check out Pastor Derwin's new book, God, Do You Hear Me? And we'll see you next week. 